we are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Jazzcast Pros. Going back and analyzing what Katanji had to go through to get to the Supreme Court, and speaking with a lot of sisters who actually watched this hearing, it re-traumatized them. And so it brought them into that space of their own experience, right? When I watch the hearings, I found myself becoming very angry right? Because you do start to relive some of your own trauma. And the reality is, is that America just got to see it on TV, but it happens every day. This is my life. I'm not looking to be known as, you know, a great black leader. I'm looking to be known as a great leader. Like, why do you have to preface it? Like, she's a great female black leader. And, and so I watch this unfold. It's disheartening because I was raised that, you know, you always, you gotta work 10 times harder than everybody else. You have to be on point about everything. It's exhausting being a black woman. Welcome to Igniting Hope Radio, where we realize the differences between equity and equality. Here at the Buffalo Center for Health Equity, quite frankly, we don't want equality. We want equity. The only way to change hearts and minds is through emotional engagement, to get people behind it and continuously support the concept with facts. This is our aim and our mission weekly as you join Pastor George on Igniting Hope Radio. Good morning, good day, good evening, whatever time of the day that you may be tuning in and listening, this is Igniting Hope Radio, brought to you by Buffalo Center for Health Equity. It's your co-host, Kimberly Slugarambe. Now, we have a very special guest today, someone who we have heard of. If you were able to join us with our Suicide and Mental Health four-part series conversation, she was one of our faith suicide and mental health speakers, and she is here to join none other than our amazing host and our chair of the Buffalo Center for Health Equity, Pastor George. George F. Nicholas. Today we have with us Chandra Redfern. Chandra Redfern is the Chief Executive Officer at Buffalo Federation of Neighborhood Centers, and she is the pastor at Doing the Will of God Church in Cheektowaga, New York. Great. Thank you so much, Kim, and greetings to all of you. And yeah, it's great to have uh, Chandra Redfern here with us uh, for our Igniting Hope podcast this day. And, you know, it's kind of interesting. There's always connections in Buffalo. One of my first jobs when I came back to Buffalo out of college was I worked at the Buffalo Federation of Neighborhood Centers with, uh, at time, under the leadership of Jan Peters, one of the great leaders in our community over the years. And, And we're so grateful that in that tradition of strong leadership, competent leadership, but leadership that's committed to the growth of, of our community and black people. And Chandra Redford is, is a woman who has answered God's call upon her life and is living out her call both in the in the world and in within the church. And and I think I would argue that's what we're really supposed to be doing anyway. I think somebody of us, if you're just answering your call inside the church, we'll have to have another podcast about uh, what that means. But uh, we're so grateful to have her. And we're, we're going to continue our conversation because she also sits on a 
I believe it's the county or state board around uh, suicide and suicide prevention. And and so she has a, a, a deep passion around the issue of, of mental health. We've been talking the last few weeks and about you know, the mental health issues that are challenging in our community. And, and this is, again, I would recommend uh, The Unapologetic Guide to Black Mental Health. Navigate an unequal system, learn tools for emotional wellness, and get the help you deserve. It's by Dr. Rita Walker. And one of the things that she says in this book, and I want to kind of open up our conversation, it's about how we talk about ourselves. And one of the things that she talks about in this book is about giving us tools on how to enhance our psychological fortitude. And see, one of the things she says is cutting off the useless things you say to yourself, the useless things you say to your health. A quick excerpt, she talks about disqualifying the positive. Despite everything that you have gone, that you have going for you, you feel dissatisfied with life. Here are some of the many ways you may live this out in your head, how you think about yourself. So you may have a good job that pays well and makes you the pride of your family, but you are woefully disappointed that you aren't more advanced in your career. Or maybe you're divorced and have been dating a really good guy for about a year. He treats you well and your son well, but you agonize over why he has not yet proposed to you. Or you have a home that others seem to envy. In fact, friends are always asking you to help them decorate. You question why anyone would ask you for help. Or you have great friends in your life, but they are overscheduled. Since you do not get to go out with them as much as you would like, you often feel lonely and friendless. Or you'd like to lose 15 pounds and get back into your college weight, but your doctor says that you are in good health. Rather than accepting your good health, you focus on your dimples and your thighs, right? And so, and so this is really geared, geared towards in, in this in this context, black women. It opens up, you know, a larger conversation about how we talk about ourselves, how we view ourselves, let alone what others may say about us. Shonda, how does how important is is it for us to speak positively about ourselves? as Dr. Walker was saying, and don't disqualify the positives that are happening in your life by, you know, always thinking the negative about yourself. And, and how does that can wreak havoc on our mental health? What's, what's your thoughts on that? Wow. I, it's so important, right, to speak positively about yourself. I think you know, when we look at what's going on today in the world, I, I, we live in a world where it's like you have to do more, you have to have more. Um, right. Everybody wants to be an influencer or, you know, whatever. And and you have social media, which can be great, but can also be a curse. Right. Because you're going about your day and then oh something pops up and you're, you're seeing other people's accomplishments or what they're giving you. Right. And so people start to think, you know, I'm at this age. I should have this. I should be in this place. And you know what? I, I've learned to celebrate the small victories or the small things of life, right? I think if we learn nothing else over these past, what, two and a half, three years with this pandemic, it's just not to take anything for granted, right? And so being able to speak positive affirmations, I think, is a way to build yourself. And I think it's important um, when people are struggling just with everyday life, just pull something good out of it, right? So for me, um, sometimes when I greet people, I'm always like, oh, happy Monday, happy Tuesday. And 
it's because you know what? I woke up this morning, right? Like, let's just start there because sometimes it's hard for people to kind of think of something in, in their life, but just starting there, like I woke up this morning, right? I'm breathing. I can walk because there are people that can't. And then it, it goes to like another level, right? So, so maybe you're not the CEO at your organization, right? But you may be like the first person in your family to ever hold a paraprofessional or professional job. Pulling out those small successes, you know, maybe I haven't exercised, you know, in forever, but I, I went out and walked 30 minutes, right? I, I got myself moving, got some fresh air. I think just picking those small positive steps, it helps to retrain how we look at things. I think that we live in a world where it's easy to focus on the negative and focus on what you don't have or what you want, right, that you don't have. And sometimes we have to just take a step back and just say, hmm, this is what I have. I'm in a good place where I am. And although it's okay to have goals and strive for things, but you know what? Even if I never reach that, I'm good where I am. And I think um, from a, a faith perspective, right? That's that's what we've learned. Like, is that even if these things that I imagine never happen, I have to know that I'm walking in the purpose that God has me walking in at this point in time. And I think learning to be content with that and okay with that and learning how to celebrate that is important. You opened up a door there. So why is it so difficult for us as a community to celebrate black women for who they really are, as opposed to trying to project upon them what we think they ought to be? So I believe that it's it's historic in, in that, you know, we weren't celebrated in this country historically, right? We weren't put on a pedestal. We were made to think that we had to conform. And, and to a degree, we've had to learn how to conform, right, in, in this um, world that we live in. And so I think sometimes when thing, something is so different, it becomes difficult to understand it. And I think people have to take the time to understand things that are different or people that are different. I think people have to take the time to really understand Black women um, and not just make references that we are how we are because of whatever reason. And I think that that impedes the ability to celebrate, right? What's different, um, what not only looks different, sounds different, um, has a different experience. And I mean, let's just be honest, right? Like that's based off of history, at least in America, and how everything, you know, has unfolded for the Black woman. And so I think it becomes difficult because you don't see the mainstream society doing it because we don't necessarily always fit a mold. But then we in the Black community kind of struggle with, okay, well, do we celebrate this or do we not celebrate this one for this or that? And, you know, I myself have had to kind of step back and say, you know what, I personally know what it's like to be a Black woman, right? And to go through life and have these different challenges. So let's be intentional about celebrating other Black women. Like, let us let me be intentional about acknowledging what they're doing in community because it's hard. It's very difficult. 
we don't always have the support. And so even if it's a woman I don't know, I think it's important that, yes, I celebrate her accomplishments. I give her the shout out on Facebook. I share what she's doing or, or those types of things because it doesn't cost us anything to do that. And you never know how you encourage or help to build someone else up when you do that. Because as uh, Black women, we have a lot of things that are happening in our lives. And sometimes you're going through life, and I think we've been taught, right, to just be very stoic, and we just accept this, and we don't push the boundaries and those types of things. So when we do, we, we get the backlash. And it's not sometimes just from mainstream, it's from our own people. And that can be very disheartening. It can be very hurtful. And so I think it's important to just be like, hey, you know, I see what you're doing. I, I see you there. I see I see your black girl magic all out there like that. And right, just keep doing what you do. Be encouraged. You're making a difference. Or you know what? I, I understand that it was hard to do that. So we have to be intentional about celebrating what we're doing as black women. So circling back on that in terms of how you know, how we speak about ourselves, the challenges around mental health. And it made me think a little bit about the uh, Sister Katanji had to go through in order for the Supreme Court thing. And, you know, I kind of had mixed feelings about it. One, it was great to see her to stand up to the onslaught that she had to deal with. But then secondly, it really upset me to the context where she shouldn't have had to do this, right? And so I think we have to be careful at normalizing black women going through verbal and emotional assaults upon them. And while it's good that we celebrate that they still survive and prosper in those environments, we cannot normalize it and saying that, well, hey, if you want to get to these certain places that you've earned through your professional academic work that qualifies you for something, but now in addition to that, you have to go through this other kind of gauntlet, and that's the path of success for black women. I think I think we shouldn't accept that, and, and I think we have to push back harder about that. So in terms of even analyzing and going back and analyzing what Katanji had to go through to get to the Supreme Court, celebrating that she made it through, but then really circling back to the system, because in speaking with a lot of sisters who actually watched this hearing, it re-traumatized them. It brought them to a place where they had to kind of sit in that, that same kind of a chair for a promotion or even for getting a job. And so it brought them into that space of their own experience, right? So if we know this is continually going on, I don't think the answer is just to, to prepare black women for this. The answer is to say, okay, this might be a reality, but we have to change that reality and not expect black women to be these, uh, you know, use the term black girl magic and stuff like that. And, and But that's unfair, right? You shouldn't have to be a magician in order to succeed, right? And I understand the reality of that, right? My, there's a question here. So the weight is when sisters see this, you know, on their radar, how does that impact one how they view themselves and, and how they speak about themselves. And then two, how does it impact their own mental health? And yet, and, and no, I don't ask easy questions. <laughs> no, these are some loaded questions. These are loaded. So it's interesting that you say that because when I watch the hearings, I found myself 
becoming very angry, right? Because you do start to relive some of your own trauma. And the reality is, is that America just got to see it on TV, but it happens every day. This is my life. And I remember um, I posted a few things on my own personal social media page because there would be things like how her daughter was looking at her or the face that she gave. And those things resonated with me just so much, right? Because everyone can picture themselves in that seat where someone's asking you questions and you're thinking like, are you even qualified to be asking me these types of questions? Like, really, did you read my resume? But you can't say that because, you know, then other things happen. But you're just like, hmm, really? This, this is where we're going to go now? And it shouldn't have to be that way, right? Like, I, I think that a lot of the, the DEI work that's going on is great. But my concern is that, like, why did it, you know, why now it's an in thing when this stuff has been happening forever, right? And I'm not looking to be known as, you know, a great Black leader, I'm looking to be known as a great leader. Like, why do you have to preface it? Like, she's a great female black leader. Like, what are you saying? Like, I, you know, I, you know, I went to college and all those things and I've studied and I, I think, you know, I've proven myself in many arenas. And, and, and so I watch this unfold. And I think as a, a black woman, you start, it's disheartening because I was raised that, you know, you always, you gotta work 10 times harder than everybody else. You have to be on point about everything. And it's sad that that's how we had to be prepared, right? And I have a young daughter and I find myself having certain questions and conversations that are going on. And, you know, she says, well, mom, I'm not perfect. Like, why are you concerned about that? And I was like, you know what, honey? Because when you leave the house, people are going to look at you in a certain way. And so you don't have the liberty to do things that some of your... um, classmates get to do right and she's seven so she doesn't fully understand it but you know those are conversations that we have to have so early and it's not right and so being made to feel like you're the spokesperson you know I told someone they they were talking about the hearings and um it was a, a white person and I said you know what it's exhausting being a black woman like I'm exhausted I don't want to be the spokesperson for everyone I don't you know I I'm not, because all of our experiences are different, right? But why do I have to jump through these hoops? Why does, I I get people applauding her for it. Like when I, I was excited because I'm like, you earned this lady, you know, like your resume speaks for itself when you look at that. That's why I was excited. Not because like she went through this grueling inquisition that I looked at it to be, but because it's like, you know what? You earned the spot and I'm sorry you had to go through all of this that, we don't see other people go through, right? But you're there and you did the work, right? And that's why you got it. And that's what we want to be known as, right? That we did the work and acknowledge that the work that we've done is proof itself, not looked at as, oh, well, you're a black woman. Or should you really be, you know, over this or over that? You know, people question, oh, can you really run an organization? Can you really run a church, right? Can you do all of these things? And it shouldn't have to be about the color of my skin or my my gender. And it becomes very taxing because you go into this mode where you have to 
almost straddle like the fence, right? And it's like you have to be uber professional and all these things, but then you you have these things going on and sometimes you want to just scream and say, stop it, like stop it. And sometimes, you know, I find myself in a position where you want to uh, call people out on things, but then those there's those labels that come, right? So you don't want to be the angry black woman. And But that's, that's the thing. I mean, like you mentioned something about being uber professional well those those definitions of professionalism are rooted in white supremacy and even within black run and black owned organizations right it's just like it's even even bizarre even in the black church where we try to sometimes in our assimilating into the European culture where in a more Afrocentric culture you'll sit and you'll have lively debate and talk and try to figure out things and some people might get animated and others may not some may weep some may laugh right but it's all part of the conversation but then we get up here and then we try to you know enact robert's rules of order for our stuff which ain't got nothing to do with us right and, and it's just it, it's just it's amazing how much such black folks talk about we want to be free and the system and all that but we we constantly assimilate and show the reflection of our own indoctrination by our own behaviors, not only with them, but with ourselves. It just is very, very bizarre. And I can imagine it adds to that exhaustion of, you're always wrong, right? It's like, if you're too quiet, what's wrong? If you're too jovial, what's wrong? If you're smiling, why are you happy? If you don't smile, why aren't you smiling? You know what I mean? And it's that that sense of just allowing people just to be. I think it takes time to get there, right? To just learn how to be. I, I think that's a place where I am in my life, right? Learning how to be. Like, this is who I am. And I, what I've learned is in order for me to be a good leader or the leader that I strive to be, I have to lead in my authentic self, right? Who I am. And maybe people don't understand it. And I found myself like saying, well, this is why, you know, like this is my perspective. This is why. And I think there are teaching moments in, in all situations, right? Because we do it because that's what we've, we've always known how to do, right? And that's what we've been told we have to do. And let's just face it, sometimes when you don't do that, there are some severe consequences. And, and so I think it's a learning thing. And, and you mentioned that, you know, being very systemic, that's so true. I think that, you know, you have to be able to have conversations with people that aren't black people and they really have to become allies in a way. Right. Because I can say what I say from the rooftop, like, you know, a thousand times. But the reality is when you have an ally, it can help. It really can help. And we need more because people have to be okay with understanding differences because that's really what it's about. It's differences. And so when we can respect different, then we become more comfortable with different, right? Because then I'm not so off put by someone raising their voice. Like just because someone raises their voice doesn't mean they're angry. They're just passionate about what it is that, you know, they're talking about. And it doesn't mean they're mad at me, right? It means that they're passionate and we can still be friends and we can still, you know, do what we do after our, our discussion. And that's okay. You know, some people, they, they fear debate. I'm, I'm okay with that. Right. I think it's healthy, but you know, they view it as a certain way. And 
And we have to be okay with different, right? Everybody doesn't think the same. Everybody doesn't look the same. We all don't come from the same place. Until we can be okay with difference and the differences in each and every one of us, I think it's just going to be a challenge, honestly. Mm -hmm. And I think it contributes to some of the, the fact that so many of us are unwell emotionally and mentally. And we've put everything on this binary scale, right? So you use the word difference, but a lot of people will insert different, uh, insert right and wrong into difference, right? And so, and in the minute you, you, you insert these, these binary concepts that, you know, something is either right or wrong, right? Um, and there are things that are, that are right and wrong, but, but there's a lot of things that, you know, we're still discovering, right? And then when we talk about, you know, when we look at the very complex issues that generational issues of finding our own true emancipation in this republic and trying finding pathways to our true prosperity, you know, as black people living in America, it's very much more so an art form than a science. And there's a reason why black folks have been so in our creative selves, you know, the whole ad-libbing of jazz, right? Is that process of, of trying to find something in that moment that meets where you are, as opposed to, to saying, well, this is just the way that it's supposed to be, right? Well, yeah, but the way that it's supposed to be right for this moment may not be the, that way in the next moment. So we, we, we have to find our ways to uh, be comfortable in our own selves. And you mentioned about that sense of being comfortable in who you are. But I would push back, not push back, but I would add to that, that one of our problems is so many people don't know who they are, which isn't a bad thing, right? Because we're all on this journey of self-discovery, right? But I think we find ourselves playing roles too much in our society. And I think the weight of that is too much for black folks, it's too much for anybody. That constant code switching, that constant litmus test of, of what authentic blackness is. And all, I mean, we just have all these, right? We have all these, and even within the church, right? We have these, the, the search to legitimize people's other spiritualities, right? Like, you're not really Christian if you don't do this, you know? And I, or you're not really filled with the spirit if you don't do that. And I think it just contributes to just this constant sense of almost, I don't know, it's just chaos that happens. And then I think it manifests itself in a, in a lot of unhealthy behaviors and unhealthy emotions that, that far too many of us are struggling with in, in our community. My final thought is this, right? Um, you, you said something about people not knowing who they are, right? I would say that it's important to embrace the journey of self-discovery, understanding that who you are today is not who you were two years ago, five years ago, and it's also not who you will be five years from now, 10 years from now, right? And that's okay. So it's okay if you change and you have to be comfortable with that. So when people say, well, you didn't used to do this or you used to do that. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not that person, right? Like I've had some self-discovery. And so I would just say people have to embrace their own self-discovery and spend some time really getting to know yourself and what you believe and what you think and, and why, why is it that you think that, right? 
and stand firm in that because that is going to make the difference in your own personal mental health. You can stand firm in this is who I am at this point in time in my life and I'm going to walk in that in the most authentic way that I can. That's half the battle. That's great. So we're we're so grateful that you uh Chandra, you have taken time to be with this is this Chandra Redford and and you know there's some great services that are available through the Buffalo Federation of of neighborhood centers. It's right there. Is it still on Lemon Street or it's been a bit in the fruit belt for a while, but you guys have moved? Well, we have several sites. So we are still in the fruit belt over at 76 Orange Street, but we orange we span orange and lemon, but we have other sites. Um, and we also provide services in, in Niagara County and the Doris Jones Community Center. So you can always visit our website at www.bfnc.org and check us out. Great, great. And so, you know, people, you're listening. If you have challenges with, you know, how you're feeling, if you're feeling bad about yourself, reach out to someone, talk to someone. Google crisis services if you're really in a place where, you know, you're in a real dark place and you've been there for a minute. Yes, call your pastor, call your friend, whatever. But you also may eventually have to call some folks that it's what they do on a day-to-day basis. And there's no shame in that, right? If you had a toothache and you go to my church, don't call me because I'm going to refer you to a dentist because there's not much I can do. And so you have to think about your own mental health and your emotional challenges in those same ways, right? That there's no shame in that. And there are people out there that are trained, that are caring, that are culturally competent, that are, are prepared to help you through this season. And, and, and so uh, we want you to be encouraged out here, whoever's listening, and know that, you know, the Buffalo Center for Health Equity, the Buffalo Federation of Neighborhood Centers, they're organizations, they're people like myself and like Chandra who, who care and we want to use whatever gifts and platforms the Lord has blessed us with to be a blessing to you as well. So this is Pastor George Nicholas uh, signing off of our, our latest edition of Igniting Hope Radio. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, please log on to buffalohealthequity.org, buffalohealthequity.org. If you have some ideas, some topic recommendations that you want us to cover, again, buffalohealthequity.org, send us a note. And we, because we want to just don't, we just don't want to talk about the things that we think are important. We want to connect with the things that are, are important to you in your lives. So this is Pastor George Nicholas. I'm the chair of the Buffalo Center for Health Equity, and we'd like to thank you so much uh, for some, spending some time with us today on Igniting Hope Podcast. Well, it's been Igniting Hope Radio. Thank you for tuning in for your weekly dose of hope. And we ask you listeners to please share, like, subscribe, whether it be on Spotify, Apple, whatever your podcast listening platform is. Share it with a friend and tell us what you think. Until next time, stay safe, stay well, and be healthy. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. 
the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Lucky Land Slots, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.